It's snacking and get cracking with a snack that packs a protein punch. Pistachios are known for their protein power, fiber, and better for you unsaturated fats for a combination that may help you keep feeling fuller longer. Wonderful Pistachios is a good source of protein with zero gill. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. I love that they come in a variety of sizes and flavors, making this the perfect protein snack for any on-the-go adventure. Check out wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more about how these little green wonders can power up your day. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to the FlowTrack Podcast. FlowTrackPodcast at gmail.com is our email address. If you'd like to write in, you can find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and on our website, flowtrack.org slash flowtrack podcast i'm kevin he's lincoln and lincoln you were wondering last time hey does anybody listen on different platforms and we got an email from logan with a screenshot of us on spotify okay so we got we got an answer what about stitcher i i want to i want someone out there a screenshot (laughs) of them on stitcher like shout out to stitcher for um seemingly always being like the third or fourth option that people name like no one's like you can listen to us on stitcher apple mm-hmm. like it just seems like stitcher's like deep in the deep in the list um so i would like mm-hmm. an email of someone giving us a shout out on stitcher next if they if that okay. can happen that ask and ye shall receive we might get another screenshot yeah. to our inbox uh logan also adds y'all are cool but you can't do too many interviews in my judgment. And he passed along some recommendations, sprinters, legends, more college athletes, and our recent signees. If you want recent signees, mm-hmm. I think the Milesplit podcast has been doing a really good job with that. I don't know if they're on Spotify. Perhaps they are. You can, you can search them. But yeah, if people have recommendations for guests, if they want to hear more guests, the inbox is open. We will read them. And it doesn't take much to convince Lincoln to book a guest. Okay. Yeah, no, I like guess. Um, I didn't. I guess I misread the email when he said y'all can't do too many interviews. I thought that was him saying you're not very good at interviews. But I guess if you use the context no, clues no. after that, he introduces. Yeah. He's saying it's impossible. We could have three guests an episode every day, hmm. and it would not be too yeah. much for Logan. That's what he's saying. Okay, I understand. Logan is basically saying. If you have two options, option one is guest. Option two is talk about a Twitter troll for 45 minutes who's adding Grant mm. Holloway. He's saying go with option one. Yeah. Well, see, I would differ with him on that because <laughs> not only was I able to rile Gordon up, but I was able to rile him up, rile him up enough to where he was 
himself getting in a back and forth with the Twitter troll yesterday. I don't know if you noticed that, but Gordon went in on our friend John, uh, who's got 25 followers and who's been trolling the track community and created quite an uproar. uproar. That's uh, Track community can be set off by anyone at any time. Um, even mm-hmm. someone with 25 followers. And I think we've seen that the, the last couple of days. We're all up in arms um, over this. And Gordon fell into the trap. The, the guy got him. I think he's purposely trolling people to get a rise yeah. out of folks. And uh, Gordon Gordon fell for it. Fell for it hard. Yeah. Uh, but by the end, I think Gordon started to understand the game and started to appreciate what, mm-hmm. what John was doing there because that was just trolling to the nth degree. It is interesting how we consume feedback via social media. I mean, this is equivalent to someone sitting in the stands randomly off to the side and yelling, you're not very fast. Would everybody in the stands at the track meet get offended by the person yelling that? Or would they just say, hey, let's ignore that one crazy person sitting in the corner of the stands eating popcorn Mm -hmm. and let's go about our day. But because it's written down on the internet, carries so much more weight. It does. It feels like it's a, a statement of fact, like it's someone's true beliefs when they could just in fact be be a heckler and just trying to to cause to cause chaos. I I can't think of any other example in modern society where someone would dispute facts just to cause chaos. I've never seen something like that before. <laughs> um But this person yeah, could be I, twelve years old. Yeah. Well, I think I think showing witty witty at least enough wittiness to be about 14 maybe 13 um <laughs> and the time frame the person is posting suggests you know all day suggests that this could be either a homeschooled person someone who's unemployed or someone who has a laid back job like we do where they are able to respond at all hours of the day and maybe in between video game sessions or um <laughs> i don't know trips to their own popcorn machine in their basement i i I don't know uh but in any case (laughs) i think if you're taking it too seriously you are um a little sensitive and insecure because um it's fun to argue about if football players could beat i mean i i don't think so but it it's still fun to argue because we never really will know when i don't think tyreek hill's lining up for the olympics Olympic trials anytime soon because uh, he gets he's currently operating in a fifty million dollar contract of which he has no incentive mm. to to go to the track. Um, so that should be the flex. It's not who's faster. It's who picked the right sport because uh, the football players are getting getting paid much much more. Um, but I thought it was clearly facetious whenever he was highlighting the quarterback of the Giants, Danny Daniel Jones, as being faster than Grant Holloway. I think that was a clear. A clear indication of it of it being a joke but some people mm. didn't take it that way yeah all right on today's show we're going to talk about the ivy league canceling winter sports the aiu appealing the solid nasher decision and paul chalimo running in a cross-country race in Terre Haute, indiana let's start off here first with the the ivy league decision here what were your thoughts well, the Ivy League has is now three for three, I think, when being first at canceling seasons. They like to be ahead of the NCAA. They did it first back in the the late winter of 2019, or excuse me, of 2020. I forget what year it is. Then they do it again before the fall and uh, before, I think, the NCAA 
declares that, you know, there's not going to be fall sports other than football, which is kind of separate, obviously. And then now they're doing it here in the winter. Uh, all indications are that we're going to have a, a, you know, like basketball seems to be proceeding as scheduled, at least in the division one. I don't know the other divisions. Um, and at least in the track community, we're sort of kind of operating like there's going to be an indoor season, although, you know, we're kind of acting like the details for, oh, I don't know, having a meet with people indoors during this nasty wave of the pandemic is those details are just going to take care of themselves. So I don't really know. The point is, though, the Ivy League trying to get ahead of it once again, third time in three tries to indicate, hey, mm-hmm. uh, we should probably take this. We should probably take this pandemic seriously. Um, we'll see. I think, you know, the ch- not to get into political things, I think a change in administration will change the way the country views holding college sports during this time. Um, and then it seems like the Ivy League getting ahead of it. And um, we should be prepared, I think, for maybe a stoppage in play that we didn't that we haven't seen since kind of the beginning in in March and April. Yeah, it is feeling like that time frame where you look down the horizon and you think, okay, well, we're playing right now, but are we, what's going to be the thing that pushes it over? And is there going to be another avalanche of cancellations? Because right now it's been, yeah, we're proceeding almost as normal. Now there's been at last count four sec football games this weekend that have been called off because of this. Mm -hmm. And they built a little bit of slack in their football schedule, but not a ton. And I know the Big Ten didn't build much at all, and they're going to end up in a pretty tricky situation here, at least in terms of crowning a proper champion if there's any more cancellations moving forward. The Ivy League, as has been said, was ahead of it in the spring. They did it in the fall, and you can say, okay, well, they canceled in the fall, but we're still doing football, and there were still some sports. Yeah, but the fall championships were canceled outside of football, of which the Ivy League does not have any influence over football. Yeah. So they were right. Like they they led the way on both of these things. I don't right is the wrong term. You know what I mean? They were yeah. they they blazed the trail mm-hmm. in both the spring and the fall. So I don't take any Ivy League announcement lightly. I don't look at it in any way, shape, or form as just being a decision that happens in isolation and we could see the same pattern play out where it's smaller conferences and then bigger ones and then bigger ones, especially when it comes to indoor track. Cause that's what we know. We know how indoor track meets are conducted because we've been to a million indoor track meets and it seems especially troubling. I keep going back to what you said before and what we, we, we agreed on and Gordon agreed on this as, as well too, of, Cross country seems like the much more likely sport, the championship that's contested in that weekend in March. And I wonder now, I I wonder if cross country is in in jeopardy as well too, because if there is mass cancellations, I wonder if they're going to spend time splitting hairs and saying, well, but cross country is relatively low risk because it's outdoors and socially distanced. It, It might get caught up in one big swoop here. Because I'm noticing, yeah. too, from this Ivy League release, they also said, hey, they're not going to make up fall sports in the winter slash early spring season. They're not going to do what other conferences might attempt to do or what the NCAA is doing. They're basically saying, 
that's it. We might do spring stuff, but they're not even going to start anything until the end of February at the latest. Mm -hmm. It it, it makes me think we might even see another reset and just be like, all right, truncated outdoor season. Truncated outdoor season might, might be the new, the new standard with which we operate on under. Yeah, I, I didn't even initially when this hit, I guess there's just other priorities, but I didn't even associate it <clears throat> for what it meant for the March 15th NCAA Cross Country Championships. But you're absolutely right, because this means there will be no Ivy League athletes at at that meet if it if it even goes forward. And uh, that's kind of, again, harkens back to what happens when Harvard pulled their athletes from indoors. And we thought back in March and we thought, oh, that, wow, that was premature. And then hours later, the entire meet was canceled. Um, so if it follows that trend, this may just be the, the first domino to fall, um, in that regard. And if you look at the the numbers, I mean, 160,000 cases yesterday, I mean, the numbers are as predicted in the fall are, are going up mm. and it's hammering the middle of the country, it's ham- hammering the North part of the country. Um, and, uh, it does feel irresponsible probably to just proceed as if I know there weren't going to be fans in the stands or if there were, it was going to be limited, but it feels irresponsible because this is worse now than it was when we were not up. We were doing no sports. Um, Yeah. At least as far as the number. Now our our understanding of the disease, I think is a little little bit better. It's not a ton better, but it's a little bit better. Um, But, but I think it's pretty clear. It's not safe to do this stuff without taking extraordinary precautions like you would see in uh, in a professional sports league. Um, I know that football has the motivation and the power to, to kind of get away with this, but, you know, they're testing people all the time. And I just don't think that every sport is going to have that same access. And, and, uh, uh, again, with the the, the cha- changing of administration coming in January, I could see a lot of stuff changing. Everything is, as we've known, everything is tentative. I think there was this perception like, oh, you know, football came back and there were some cross-country meets and other fall sports got rescheduled to the to the spring that we had kind of reached the finish line of sports being canceled or postponed. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think, I mean, not, it doesn't take a genius to figure that out, but I don't think that's the case at all um i think yeah changes you, are are coming do you get the feeling it's gonna be like the spring where it once it happens it's just an avalanche again of cancellations and that there's gonna be a bunch of dominoes that fall because it's weird because you, you're right you've had all these things added back the pac-12 came back for football the big 10 came back for football and you're thinking okay well stem the tide and now we're putting events back on the calendar we're not taking them off but when I see this Ivy League decision, I think, okay, well, what's to stop the next conference, the next conference, and then this meets canceled, and that meets canceled, and then we're right back to where we were just a couple months ago. I understand that the NCAA is unique in this and that they have student-athletes who are on a clock and who are pursuing four-year degrees, and so therefore you're, you're having athletes that are going to have their entire, you know, big portions of their career wrecked Mm -hmm. and postponing again pushing back championships does further damage to that but i think if the numbers continue to rise and government officials start telling people we need to do lockdowns similar to what we were doing early in this process um 
it's going to fly in the face of the way the rest of the country is operating. So, you know, maybe in the big sports, the NCAA can figure out the way to, to make it happen. So maybe they can have basketball and, and football. We'll see basketball, obviously indoors, much more complicated. Um, but it's not getting easier. It's getting more difficult for, for these things to continue happening. And again, now that the Ivy league who set the tone two other times is, is, is out. I think it's a decent indication of, of the reality that we, we may not have the rescheduled Mm -hmm. fall championships and, and, and winter sports will certainly look a lot different. Maybe we'll look more like the fall where we had conference by conference going, we're not competing yeah. or we are going to compete a smaller schedule. I, th- I, th- I think that's probably the best case scenario. Ivy League is not going to be alone on this. They're not going to be just because just yeah. because they, they have the, the best institutions under their purview does not mean they're going to be the only conference that, that cancels winter sports. Well, indoor track, if we're talking specifically about the sport that we, that we covered, it's just, it's just a whole – big complicated mess. Now I'm not even talking about the virus. I'm talking about on a regular year in terms of how do you qualify? How do you conduct meets? And when you add in this dynamic, who's flying all the way across the country to get in these these races? It shouldn't I think, be allowed. It shouldn't be allowed. Yeah. Well, I think most conferences know, yeah. I, I think even the most free market of conferences would uh, you know have some restrictions on it. It's not like, hey, Come to UW, then fly over here to Lubbock, and then go over there. Like every, like even even the country, even the the institutions that are allowing people to compete have some precautions up that would make it difficult to do these massive invitational type meets with qualification purposes. Mm-hmm. So that dramatically changes what the NCAA indoor season looks like in terms of pro Look- season. I have a hard time believing any pro athlete who they don't need any excuse on a normal year to skip indoors yeah. would just bow out. would just bow out because mm-hmm. of, of the risks involved. And are you going to travel all the way across the world to run in a world indoor championships in an Olympic year? No, not just because of, not just because of COVID, but maybe you, you don't want to do that anyway. So you just, you wait, you wait and you see, and then you find some safer competition opportunities i think on the pro and the and the collegiate level i think it's going to be dramatically different than previous years agree yeah the nanjing world indoor championships were always kind of doomed uh in an olympic year and that's especially so the first thing postponed and now that's coming up awfully quick if we're going to try to put that in march i could see that getting canceled altogether um who wants Americans coming over? I mean, I, I know you need to be tested before you could come over, but who wants Americans coming over to their country right now? I mean, we're an absolute disaster right now, and I, I wouldn't want to introduce other countries that have it under better control. I, I wouldn't want American athletes and come, coming in right now and possibly infecting, starting. Well, it's not wave. just that. Uh, it's not just it's just not just American athletes. It's like who wants to put on an international event right now? I wouldn't even say it's no, just, no one. It's, yes, it's not yes, op- like you know, optically. It's terrible, yeah. right? Well, optically Even and scientifically, it seemed terrible too, because yeah, yeah, it's just, there's, again, this whole thing comes down to cost benefit. The NBA can pay a hundred million dollars to create a bubble that's safe and conduct their tournament. Major League Baseball can do it. But like, are the Nanjing World Indoor Championships really going to invest that much money? Are they yeah. going to sink yeah. that much How more much money, money into making, yeah. 
Right, exactly. So so even if you put optics aside, it's just like logistics of having a safe event are, are extraordinarily difficult. You're going uphill yeah. uh, already and now you're just pelting someone with snowballs as they try to walk up this incline. It just it, – it does not seem like it's going to be uh, able to be rectified in the time that we have because you mentioned March. We're halfway through November now. So we're three, mm-hmm. four months out from this stuff. Yeah. And you have a meet, outdoor meet coming up with a bunch of college athletes December 5th. Um, pro yeah, athletes, too. I, I would, yeah, yeah, pros, too. I, I, you know, not that that signals the impossibility of an indoor season, but in normal circumstances, if you were preparing to run an indoor season, I don't think you would be out there ripping a 10K, but for some athletes or a 5,000. Not that that. Yeah. disqualifies you like i said but I, I i think a lot of people are starting to proceed as if indoors is at worst case not going to happen or at best case going to be i mean something you basically do at a you know the teams that have home, indoor tracks maybe, maybe they'll run some some time trials but yeah. I, I don't know i don't know how you can justify going you know having even scale back meets. I don't. I don't know how that's going to be possible. I think we're going to start to see indoors uh, f- the opportunities slim way down to the point of which we're going to wonder: is it even reasonable to have an indoor championships well, because the-, the opportunities to get marks is so difficult? Well, what's the benefit to it too? People treat right, indoors, indoors as a detour on a larger trip to the Olympic trials or the Olympics. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, run that meet in LA. Get that 10K yeah. qualifier when you can. That makes a lot more sense than running a fast 3K somewhere indoors right. on an oversized track or getting in a a a mile. Like get your qualifying times. That that's mm-hmm. one thing we've been talking about for months here. It's just make it an ex- make it outdoors in the winter in these warm weather places florida and and california if you can if you can do it safely it makes sense from a calendar perspective and it makes it makes more i'm not saying it makes sense from a health you know perspective because i'm not an expert but it certainly makes more sense from a health perspective than having an indoor meet that i think everybody would agree on i i definitely can concur yeah yeah all right aiu appeal i don't have much to add to this just wanted to mention it, I don't know if they're going to call the gas canisters to the line or to, to testify <laughs> in this uh, in this appeal. Yeah. That would be interesting. Something tells me this is going to hinge on the idea of strict liability as it pertains to Saweed Nasser's phone number being incorrect. But I don't know yeah. how that's written in the rules. I know there is that idea that you are ultimately responsible for availing yourself to drug testing, but I don't know if phone number being accurate, inaccurate is, is part of that because they, we know definitely they went to the wrong address. We have sworn deposition from numerous propane tanks that will state that. My view of this is the AIU must feel like they have a really good chance to win this appeal in front of Kaz because how, you know, I don't think people operate under the, under the uh, idea that they only do things to prevent embarrassment, but this would be, I would think, substantially more embarrassing 
should the AIU lose this in front of Kaz? They're bringing this because it's kind of like, wow, you are out to get Salwa Eden Nasser and you can't, you can't win. Now, on the other side, it's look how ridiculous this case is. Should the tribunal really have sided with the athlete here when it almost seemed, I mean, there were so, so many things that she did not provide that did not help the DCO reach her that it, that it, some people could easily view as deliberately deceiving. I know they didn't rule on that and you can't necessarily prove that, but when you put the wrong address, you don't have your phone number, the, you don't give instructions for how to access the apartment building. You've got a, a DCO who's experienced here knocking on a gas canister door, which we turned into a song yesterday or a couple of days ago. <clears throat> uh, it, would seem like that is plenty enough for Kaz. Now, I don't know the letter of the law. I don't know what, if they'll operate on some precedent. I don't know exactly how they're going to rule. But the idea that an athlete could get by on that, I mean, that that's why it surprised me that, that Christian Coleman got the two-year ban because it seemed like the same level of nuance that allowed her to skirt by the rules kind of could have been in present in him. Now, of course, I didn't know then in the Christian Coleman case that he actually went to Walmart, which he lied to us about. I didn't, I didn't realize that, but if, if this sets a precedent, this Nasser case that, you know, you could essentially give the wrong apartment number and not provide your phone address and not give instructions for how to get into your building. Well, then every athlete that's trying to, trying to be suspicious is going to do that. They're going to be like, oh yeah, sorry. Um, I got the wrong address. I was off by a number, didn't list my phone number. Cause you know, I'm, I change it every three weeks. Um, and also, uh, there's a, there's a uh, complicated maze to get to my door, and I'm not going to explain to you how to do it. You got to figure it out. Okay, thanks. It's like, no. Like, it seems like a cut and dry case, right? That that if, if logic prevails, that, that Kaz would say, this is ridiculous. However, if it's not listed in the AIU's rules that you have to have a, the correct phone number, that you, that mm. you, um, that you have to give express instructions for how to actually access the building and you have to give the right address. And if not, you, it's a rules violation, then, then, you know, maybe Kaz will side on, on Salwaid Nasser's uh, argument here. But man, if there was ever one to be reversed in an appeal, this seems like it would be it. I just think these things need to be spelled out a little bit more just with the Coleman case. There should either be a phone call rule or there should not be a phone call rule. And that's what yeah. they should be instructed to do yeah. moving forward. And there should be a accurate address rule. And there should be a – How hard is that? Trans, there, there should be a transparent attempt here um, yeah. by both athlete and doping control officer about what's expected. And then if one of those things is broken, then they get they get the violation and you move forward. But – yeah. It's. It seems to, to, what happens is the person's not there, and then you reverse engineer a way to get them there, let them off of it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. This would. This has set a terrible precedent. It makes the AIU look bad. It makes Nasser look bad uh, with all the the violations she accumulated, being able to compete ahead why why was she able to compete well because the investigation takes so long well why does the investigation take so long i mean it's just something is broken yeah, in this yeah. process 
And so I, AIU, this seems to be a grab for their credibility almost. Um, and we'll, we will, we shall see what Kaz does. Kaz has a mixed history of siding with the athlete or the, the, the institute or the, on the side of the athlete. They do that almost just as much as they, as they side with a institution or a governing body, governing body. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it, it, there's no way to necessarily guess. Well, they have to follow water code. They have to follow water code too. Right. They're not, yeah. they're not able to like unilaterally make these decisions. They're just mm-hmm. the intermediary here to, to enforce this stuff. So I don't want to make it seem like they can just add a whole cloth, come up with this stuff. But when I talk about what changes I like to see, I'm referring to just a larger doping control effort as it pertains to how well, they interact with the athlete. I, I, I'm sure they proclaim themselves as independent, but isn't it, a bit of a conflict of interest to have a world athletics tribunal decide a case when it would look bad if the tribunal would have sided with AIU and would have would have um, given Nasser a ban, given the fact that she did have three violations ahead of the world championships. Like, isn't that a conflict of interest? Like, that would have made world athletics look bad that they allowed her to compete at at the mm. world championships. If the tribunal would have come back and said, "No, you're banned," you you know, that 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 felt like a conflict of interest to me. Maybe that's what they'll say. I don't know. Yeah, you're thinking like a lawyer now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's uh, that's my destiny, really. <laughs> I, I don't. I yes, you certainly. If you were Nasser, or I guess if you were the AIU, you you'd say that. But then it gets so complicated and twisted with the different bits of motivation here. Um, mm-hmm. Paul Chalimo running this weekend, making as much Changed anticipated cross country. Right. <laughs> well, I don't have anything else to add on that. Do you have anything else on that one? Yeah, I don't no, have anything no, else. No, no, um, no, 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 I'm good. Making as much anticipated cross country debut or re debut. <laughs> yeah. Coming back home to Terre Haute, the. 8K. What's the 8K USA. course record? I hope he, I hope he just blasts this thing and makes the course record so far out of reach. It'd be amazing. Could happen. Although Kennedy Kathuka had some quick times back in the day. Um, yeah, this is a this is a interesting event. And Chalimo, who didn't really race, well, he didn't race outdoors at all. You got to be itching to get to get out there. I would have thought most athletes after they leave in the NCAA would have said, you know, I've had enough of Terre Haute, Indiana, but apparently not for Paul Chalimo, Mason Furlick, some other athletes uh, who starred mm-hmm. in the NCAA in the, in the past. Um, they can't get enough. And I mean, good for Terre Haute, you know, they, they've, they mm-hmm. don't, uh, they a course forget, when's the next there. time. Yeah. When, when's the next time they host NCAAs? It's, it's, it's a bit down the road here and, and it's D1, you know, not for it, a while. Yeah, I mean, they've yeah, kind of lost their, you know, they've got to feel like the NCAA, you know, it was like a breakup almost, you know, we used to be so good. We, we, we used to, we used to uh, have this relationship where we saw you eight times in, in a 10 year span. And now it's like, that's not the case anymore. So Terre Haute, mm-hmm. of course, Laverne Gibson's missing some of these, these competitions. We have uh, Amanda Eccleston who will be running. Amy Eloise Markovic representing uh, – she runs for BTC. And then you have some Big Ten athletes that are running on attached, like Erica Vanderlyn, Bailey Hertenstein of 
Indiana. Kyle Mao will be there. Morgan Beelscum. So they'll all be unattached, though. Ol- Olin Hacker, etc. So this is not for qualifying. So Gordon does not get to put this in his big master qualification uh, document. That is that is devastating. Yeah. Hmm. So that's when is this? This is this weekend. Yeah, this is Saturday, and I believe we got an email about this meet um, from Kevin, and I think he said the yeah he says the high school teams are competing Sunday, and mm. the the pros slash unattached collegians are running on Saturday. So there you go. Okay, looks like we got some Division two and maybe three runners as well. We'll also get to run. Okay, they well competed. That piques your interest. That piques like there you interest. go. Now I'm ready. Now I'm in. Um, Can I interest you in North Central? Is that do I get a North? Oh no, that's Northwest. No North I don't Central. Know. I'm just no. I'm just saying Division Three. You, you almost got me really excited. Don't don't play with my emotions like that, Kevin. I what about you, Mary? You marry in the building? <sighs> you know, you would have thought, but no. Um, Colorado no, School of Mines. Not yet. Okay. Now they're just up in the mountains. They're they're just getting ready, Kevin. They're just getting ready for yeah. whenever they need to come down and just dominate some Adam State. You know, just in the, <laughs> perhaps getting set for some eight thousand feet dual meets where the waiting time is twenty seven minutes or something. Um, yeah, I'll be interested to see what Chilimo can do. You know, but it is also cross country professional cross country uh, yeah. in November. It would have been funny just, just getting out there for fun. It would have been funny if, like, Furlick didn't show up. So just the talent gap was just immense between Chile and everybody. You know, some of these, some of these college guys are are, are pretty good, no doubt. Oh, yeah. But you have one of the one of the five best distance runners in the world just deciding to go play, like, pick up basketball with some yeah, kids at the park. Yeah, kind of like that. It, yeah, it's not it unlike been, that. It's been a lot of fun. Looks like. Looks like they're going to get some Terre Haute weather. I'm already looking. Anytime it's a Terre Haute meet, I automatically have the instinct to go check the weather. It is mid-November mm-hmm. after all. Um, Fifty high of 51, low of 54 with some rain and some and and 17 mile an hour winds. There you go. It's, it's cross country weather, baby. So I did pre-nats last year, and my memory was I was really sick for it, but my memory was that the weather was quite Common nice for you a month. Uh, high level yeah. meets you tend to get ill for. That's a standard for you. Mid level meet. I raised my game for the high level meet because I was healthy for yeah. when I went back for NCAAs, but the weather was just completely awful for NCAAs. But for pre nats, now it was way earlier. It was the only time I've ever been yeah, in Terre Haute when the weather was weather was nice. Yeah, it just was it made yeah. all the difference in the world. Although I did have mm-hmm. a horrible hotel experience that I will not re- recap on, on this show. <laughs> Um, you give him a review on Yelp. I don't even remember where I stayed. Did I stay with? I remember I went to tra- I went all. to Alex's. I went to Alex's room yeah. at like midnight because that's when I got in, and there was uh, like s- bugs in the room and on the bed. So I pieced out of there. So I think I ended up going. Oh, yeah, Travis had a room with an extra bed. It was just mm-hmm. unbelievably sketchy. And then I well, it's the Midwest, sure- so the roaches are a little. The roaches are a little nicer in the Midwest and then they are down the South here. So I, you know, at least you could appreciate that. They're Iowa nice. All right. We have an email I want to read. We just got it seven minutes ago from Travis, not that Travis, the other Travis, huge fan of flow track. I love your content was watching the podcast where you spoke about Wade Van Neeker. Can I realize you are missing something? 
I uh, will give you the link to the video where Wade ran the 445.89. If you watch the start of the video carefully, you will see that he completely broke his starting block, causing him to stumble. Here I am with no crowds at a very low-key event on a track that is 1,340 meters above sea level. Therefore, I feel like the 45.89 isn't a true reflection of the shape he's in. I'm sure when he runs yeah. an international event with proper competition, he will go a lot faster. Yeah, Thank I know we posted the in. link. We posted the clip of us talking about this where I was really shining as an all-star, putting my neck out there, suggesting that Van, uh, Van Niekerk is done, and it got uh, <laughs> got a little bit of criticism. I mean, people aren't clearly like me, ready to give up on, on old Wade. I did hear that he um, stumbled Ooh, a little bit slip. out of the blocks. Um, and I know there were some people, you know, who – highlighted that sometimes Van Niekerk has been a little bit of a slow slow starter and has got things rolling. Some people saying, well, look at his 2016. I, I do want to dispute this. Look at his 2016 season. He started with 47 and a 46 and ended up running 43.03. I want to dispute that record a little bit. Those round and semifinals of the South African National Championship. So he's clearly jogging those. So it's not like he's starting in 2016 from – 47 second fitness and then chopped down to 4303 listen i i have my opinion yeah i mean he may have stumbled a little bit and i guess also to his side he did have covid and um you know it's unclear how that's affecting him long term um so maybe he's you know just starting to feel like himself i just have doubts i i, I think even stumbling out of blocks i mean michael norman could do uh you know could do a backflip out of the blocks and he'd still run faster right now than 4589 maybe Van Niekerk older is just going to take him a while. Um, I, I do think we're going to see him back at the Olympics, but the thought that I think he's he's going to be himself is is completely over. And I you know and I'll support my claim that I say I think he's done. I I I, I don't I don't think we're going to see any more medals out of Wade Van Niekerk. I just don't. I think he's too old. I think it's taken him too long to get back. It, it, I've I've seen enough in the last three years to think that that this is not the same athlete and he's not going to be super competitive on, on the world stage. I mean, he has some okay times, but you know, he comes back in February this year before the pandemic and runs 47, four. Are you kidding me? Uh, he has not broken 45 <laughs> seconds yet. He's not been particularly close. You're doubling no. down, man. You're yeah. I down here. Just because people uh, are listen. angry at me. I mean, he's trying to come back. I'll give him credit, but I just don't see it. Yeah. Listen, Here's what I think. Wade Van Niekerk, more so than any other athlete, has the greatest variation of what his Olympics next year will look like. It would not surprise me if he didn't make the final, but it also would not surprise me if he managed to get a medal. Maybe even win gold if things break. Th that his would way. not. I, you're saying that would not surprise you? I mean, that would surprise me. That wouldn't. That would not. That would not surprise. If he get got back to where he was, and then we could say, well. Why were we putting so much stock in these 45-second times when there was no fans and blocks were breaking? Once you got him a Diamond League season under his belt, if he opens up next year in 44, are you going to be surprised? Are you going to be stunned that a 43-03 no. guy runs 44 to open? Right. So he opens at 44. He gets down yeah. eventually into the 43s. So I'm not saying he's going to break the world record again. It'd be amazing if yeah. he did. I'm not banking on that. But I'm saying it's not insane for a three-time gold medalist and a world record holder to win another gold medal. But it's also yeah. not insane to think, based on what he's done, that he may not even make the final. And he, yeah, more than yeah. any I other athlete, represents that that vast continuum 
uh, of possibilities. And we just don't know them because the reasons we talked about the other day, which is you have the COVID season, then you have the injury smack dab one kind of after the other. So it's hard to get any read on somebody who runs a couple times a year. That's all I'm saying. But am I worried for him? Of course, because it's going on three years now. Yeah. Yeah. I just think right now, I think people's perceptions would change. Let's put, not that it's possible, but let's put Michael Norman, Fred Curley, Stephen Gardner in the field with him right now and see how much he's getting beat by and how mu- how big the margin is for those guys' baseline fitness to, to his. I, I don't care that he has, you know, eight, nine months to go. I, th- I think you're seeing somebody who's older than those guys and who is way, way, way behind them. And I just have doubts that just simply because he was at a time the greatest in the world and has the world record that he's going to be able to to make it all the way back. I just think by now, three years on, we we would have we would have started to to see sign clearer signs that he's going to be able to come back and and be, you know, somebody who's going to be able to run forty three mid. I just seen no signs yeah. thus far. Um, twenty sixteen right. has been. A 2016, 2017, long time ago now. So I, I just have my doubts. I'm not just trying to like make viral clips. I just that's that's my belief. Have I been wrong before? Yes, I in fact am more wrong than I am right on these topics. But uh, I don't know. That's just my opinion. You have, are you? Would you say you're an avid sports fan? Certainly, certainly. I wear. I wear. I actually have a pair of flip-flops right now i wanted to get a nice pair but my wife insisted we not spend too much money on flip-flops i just have a pair of flip-flops that say sports on the on the uh on the top of the shoe it's pretty impressive too much money on flip-flops what does that mean too much well i was gonna get like i don't know i was gonna get like a 40 30 or 40 dollar pair like i don't know a a brand name pair and you know i I can get that well it's just you know Cutting cutting corners in little places we can, so we just got a right. a nice a nice off brand that just say sports on them, and it reminds me of multiple things, multiple fun times we've had naming the uh, track governing body Earth Sports and and you know avid sports fan, and as I mentioned in the podcast yesterday, I was thinking of Rob Lowe when he was at the NFL game last year wearing in just an NFL hat. Uh, it felt yeah. appropriate. Um, I'm, a big I'm just fan a fan of, of sports. Go, go teams. <laughs> <laughs> all right well if you have more opinions on this flow podcast at gmail.com be sure to tell us what we got wrong uh lincoln in particular you didn't do yourself any i mean if you're trying to avoid the take by naming it is wade van niekirk done i mean that wouldn't have been my title because i don't think that's even what what we were discussing but you definitely invited a lot of criticism there and they don't, already don't like you in south africa correct that's a yeah thing. i forget what it i i'm not sure you what cri- i did you cri- otherwise <laughs> You criticize one of their hundred meter per people, or maybe it was Clarence Booty oh, Eyes. Yeah, nineteen seven that he never replicated, which yeah was was a strange time. Anyway, well, I mean, right. I just look at everybody like everybody's like Anaso Jabba. Uh, I can't remember his last name. I mean, everybody's uh, other Jabba than Duana. Nasser, or excuse me, uh, yeah, other than Van Niekirk and Castor Semenya, it seems like everyone's a flash in the pan. So that that's that's Sembine is good. Um, Sembine has been good for a while. Sembine, yeah, that's who it was. Yeah. To me, he's good. Yeah, he's he's just good. not. Yeah. Yeah. He's he makes fine. finals. He makes finals. He makes I just he got fourth, I think. Or something. Yeah. I, I am not saying that, that Van Niekerk is 100% going to get back, but I've also been talked into the idea that it is it is a little early. There is still some time and crazy mm. things 
Crazy things can happen, especially with someone with that level of talent. But right no now, other he's, sport, he's pat- no other sport but track and field could you be literally away from uh, three years for, out from injury and being like, he's still he's still coming. It's it's happening. It's 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 you know it's he it hasn't missed a whole swimming? lot. You know, it's also like he's literally missed one big competition, the world yeah, world championship yeah. in Doha, which basically most of the world missed anyways because there was no one there. Uh, that that's track and field yeah. for you, though. What what what's what has he missed? Oh, well, uh, we had an off year in 2018, and world champs in the <laughs> desert in 2019, and then we had a completely off year in 2020 because of the pandemic. I mean, yeah. If you want to side on him, he hasn't missed a ton. Right, right, and that's what it makes it seem like he hasn't been gone that long when yeah. he has been gone for a while. But the 2018 yeah. season, there was no championship, and the 2020 season was cut short and yeah. had no diamond leagues really in it as well. All right, we'll leave it there. Flowcheckpodcast at gmail.com. Gordon and I will be back on Monday. Thanks everybody for tuning in. Send us your emails. We would appreciate anything to talk about in these slow times. We'll recap Paul Chalimo in what I assume will be a triumph on the cross country course in Terre Haute next week. Thank you to Alon for producing. Have a great weekend, everyone.